Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. All our episodes can be found on awakeningpodcast.org. We're also on BitChute and YouTube, so be sure to give us a thumbs up, a share, and share with your friends. Today, my guest, a fellow Irishman, but living in the UK, please welcome Chris Ryan. Cheers, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. So Chris is a good friend of mine. He's got another podcast called Mind Wars. So Chris, before we get into that, you might just tell us a bit about yourself. Well, basically, uh, background is mainly in construction. Um, carpenter by trade, lived in Ireland most of my life, and travelled quite a bit around the world. Gave a couple of years in New Zealand, working over there. Gave a bit of time in Australia as well. Um, furthered my career in a sense that, uh, well, I moved to England after I left uh, New Zealand um, a couple of years back, um, where did all the earthquakes and all the damage that was done over there to Christchurch. Some of that was coming to an end, so... I started to come on a bit closer to home, I guess, and uh, the same time zone was definitely a big benefit as well. Um, but uh, no, I'm currently uh, living and working in London at the moment and uh, as a site manager. So, um, but uh, I've done lots of stuff since. Um, got my qualifications in uh, project management, which maybe might come around someday. But um, at the moment, it's kind of, I'm putting more of my focus into my own uh, podcast, uh, Mind Wars, and getting that more up and running off the ground. So, yeah, we'll see. Interesting uh, times ahead, all right, with everything that's gone on in the world. No, definitely. And also, you're, you're big into the martial arts. I was impressed with the amount of years that you have studied in martial <laughs> arts, because I, I think that's a great way for focusing the mind, you know, that you can actually be in control, I suppose, it, losing, the, you know, losing the plot if you get into an awkward situation. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I suppose it goes back to, um, I've been out with training for a couple of years and no other reason I didn't fall out of love with it. Simply um, when I left to go to New Zealand, basically I decided I wanted to obviously continue it on over there. And when I got there, the city in Christchurch was pretty much decimated. There wasn't even a gym open, there wasn't a boxing club, there was pretty much no martial arts around that you could even go to. So you were kind of at a bit of a standstill there for a while. Um, but going back to it in the first place, um, I gave... 12 years uh, training in a martial art called a Japanese martial art called jiu-jitsu and so I've done different scenarios around Ireland England um, was over in Jacksonville Florida and different seminars over there and uh, as, as you say like quite rightly it says it was the martial arts is a very great thing for the mind as well so also it's a very good physical aspect to work out but it's also you know good for self-defense as well but what it really found was the history behind the martial arts as well was very fascinating and um it gave you an awful lot of discipline because before i got into it um i was a bit of a i won't say a bio from time to time but you could get into a scuffle here and a scuffle there and it kind of the odd public order offense from time to time but um so i hope the mother's not listening now but uh it's uh yeah, no, we just went on and stuff like that, got into the martial arts, I say, and I gave 12 years out, I was saying, and I basically, the reason behind some of why I got into it was, I, um, before I had left school, maybe it was about 16 years of age or thereabouts anyway, and it kind of came to me and says, because a couple of years previous to that, I had actually done three years in uh, kickboxing, and the club actually closed down, I wasn't uh, able to drive, I was underage to drive at the time, so I couldn't get to the nearest club after that, so that had to discontinue that. And basically I said to myself, there's three goals I wanted um, before I left school for after school. And three of those goals were that I wanted to live and work in Australia for at least a year. I'd done that. I wanted to become a carpenter and joiner by trade. So I ended up doing that. And the other one was basically I wanted to be a black belt in a martial art. I wasn't quite sure at the time which martial art I was going to pick. But it was one about a half an hour's drive away from my home house. And um, I knew a guy that was going there at the time. And he said, well, you just come over and try it out. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, 
the jiu-jitsu itself. Um, so yeah, I ended up going on to take me, took me five years to get um, the first Dan black belt as it was. And after that, then I kind of suppose you got a hunger for it. You didn't just want to stop after that. You wanted to keep going and going. And um, it took me another seven years after that to get the other two black belts, which became a ranked as a third Dan uh, black belt. So after your, I suppose, part of your training even for the black belt, black belt itself, um, when you're on the brown belt, was you had to basically teach classes. So a lot of people obviously going for the area were out of their comfort zone. They were still learning. And um, so, I mean, yeah, it took me out of my comfort zone as well. Instead of, you know, one instructor looking at maybe 30, 40 of us. Now I was on the other side of it and I was looking back at the 30 or 40 faces in front of me um, because my instructor laughed an awful lot of time. He would just, you know, text me or ring me and say, Chris, is there any chance that you can come over tonight and cover for the class? And um, yeah, so it actually, you know, bit by bit, you ended up uh, maturing more discipline-wise as well. And uh, some people I find up martial arts, you can be great with technique, great at footwork, handwork, all that kind of stuff as well. Um, but when you go to teach it, it's like it takes a certain type of person to actually be able to teach it as well. And the actual, to have the techniques so crisp in what they are, because it's vital martial arts in the technique. A quarter of an inch and a half an inch here in your movement or your body work is vital to, to, to doing the damage to the other person. Or worse still, you even doing the damage to yourself because you haven't been s- simply in the right position to actually take control of the fight. Um, so that's basically, yeah, I suppose a small bit of a rundown on the history of how I got into the martial arts. And um yeah, unfortunately, I haven't got back into it really since with just life and everything gets in the way and the more you're out, but then you see another year passes by and it goes on. But um, no, I still still keep in touch from time to time, reading up and seeing what's going on in the martial arts. But uh, no, I would I'd highly recommend it to anybody. Uh, martial arts itself, discipline-wise, it's education-wise, it's the theory and philosophy and stuff behind it is is amazing outside of the physical aspect of it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I did uh, Kung Fu for uh, six years and I loved it. So we're doing something similar with with the podcast, but I think you're uh, you're going a level further than me. You're I'm trying to wake people up, and I think you're you're slapping them into the face. <laughs> when, it, when when was your awakening? Um, when was my awakening? Good question. It's hard to put it down to one particular year, one particular defining moment. That kind of aha moment when I suddenly woke up on a couch. But what I can say is I've been researching and looking into basically how to how the world works and how it operates. And I always strip back, if I see a headline or see a front page article or whoever it might be over years, I'll always strip back the layers. I'll always question and be curious as to what it is. So I suppose you're talking anywhere within the region of probably about 15 years ago was, was my awakening call. But in the last 10 plus years is where I got really heavy into it and started researching more and more and more. And in the last couple of years alone, even just the previous four to five years, I've just gone dug deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. And it's kind of one of these situations that when you, uh, when you finally wake up, some people regard it as, you know, going from the blue pill to the red pill, if you're watching the matrix, but um, it's similar in a sense like that, that uh, once you wake up at all and you realize the world is working in a completely different operation than what you were basically programmed and believed to as your upbringing, you will always look forward and you will always constantly want to go down that rabbit hole even further and further. You will never look in the rear view mirror again. You just simply cannot. I think people have tried in the past because it just, they got so far down the rabbit hole that actually frightened the life out of them. They actually, this was really, really going on and not just some weird conspiracy theory, but actually realism that was going on. So that was kind of my awakening call was uh, people that were influential in that awakening call, I suppose, was I was into stuff was about 15 years ago, be it like the looks of um, the JFK, the 9-11, the usual kind of conspiracy uh, theories and different pieces that people look into. 
But a couple of years, I guess, after 9-11, I got into the likes of uh, Alex Jones, you know, David Icke, I touched him from time to time. There's a quite a good few people in the area, but Alex Jones was probably the, the one person. I dabbled in bits and pieces before that and with other people and kind of goes, mm, yeah, it's okay, I can see this side or that side. But when I got into Alex Jones's um, stuff from Infowars, it just blew my mind. I went from the Clintons to basically, then you, you, I reversed my mind and looked more and more into actually how 9-11 was. Uh, you know, a massive inside job. I mean, there's so much information and that kind of stuff that's there as well. So you end up going back through time and uncovering other stuff and realizing, wow, the world actually doesn't work the way you're basically programmed. Either you're sitting at home on your couch watching the BBC in America, watching CNN, or if you're in Ireland watching RT, it's programmed or government organizations that people are paying their TV license for. Well, not in the case of America, they don't pay a TV license, but in England and uh, Ireland, they're paying these... <laughs> these organizations that are basically like giving you a one story narrative that are bought up in the background and um, you're supposed to swallow all this stuff and chew it back out of them, spit it back out of them and run with this narrative when it's completely the opposite of what it is. I mean, the propaganda is just unbelievable. And the last six months alone, if anybody has not been awake to see what is going on, I mean, there's just no hope for certain people. And I mean, ignorance is, is a choice that some people have chosen. Yeah, no, definitely. And like, because I have seen a lot of your stuff, I've listened to your podcasts and some of the videos that you put up, and I know they were blocked on uh, YouTube. You might explain what happened there. Yeah, so I guess it's only in the last, um, since the lockdown came in, um, we go back to last sort of a uh, March. And for a long time before that, I was constantly researching. It was like I was saying, it's 10 to 15 years I've been doing all this homework and research on how the world operates. But I suppose, when the lockdown came in, you can see that obviously is a negative impact on yourself, on your life, and on the world around you, your family. I mean, I personally get about two and a half months out of work um, because all the construction sites that were here was closed down. You weren't allowed to move here, move there, wherever. And um, I just felt that, right, okay, I had it up to my head and my tits, basically, and what was going on. So I said, right, I have enough of this. I'm only one person. What can I actually do to basically make a change? I have a lot of information here. And just how do I get it out to the mass? How do I get it out to even one or two people besides my immediate family, besides my immediate circle of friends or a couple of acquaintances that I have? So I thought, right, the best thing I can do um, is instead of sitting on the couch complaining about all this, that's what's actually going on around the world, I'll actually take some form of action on it. And I'm basically, I'm going to start something. And what I did was basically, I had no idea how YouTube worked, how BitChute worked, how you can upload videos, how you basically make a video in the first place and how all these YouTubers were so fantastic at making their videos. So basically, no help from anyone. I bought the package, um, a software package called Final Cut Pro X. And um, I basically got into that and I spent about 10 to 12 hours a day, seven days a week inside my bedroom um, over that period of while I was off work. And I basically was so frustrated with everything that was going on. I said, look, I'm only one person, but I need to get some sort of a message or highlight the people out there that are so unaware of actually what's going on because the censorship was on overload. So I thought what I'll do is I'll make, at the time, I said, right, I'll make a video on Bill Gates, um, the World Health Organization, and the Director General, Ted Ross Adnam. So, but the way I wanted to make it was in a sense that this was, bulletproof there was no holes going through it nobody could say oh that's just a big conspiracy theory again everybody's going on of this kind of stuff and there's no truth or no facts in it so i made sure that there was no ammunition that could flow back at me at that so i researched and researched and i got loads of information on it and basically simply made a, a 13 and a half minute video called twins of evil and um with bill gates and ted ross on the front cover of it and i basically pinpointed even bill gates talking in it there's captures of him in it there's articles on it that was wrote back num numerous years ago that was going back through um some of the stuff 
quite hard to get some of the stuff. And I'm sure if people try to get it now, by all means, try. But some of the stuff is buried so far with the censorship overload that we have at the moment. But the video, inside the video itself, um, it was the first video. I'd only joined YouTube. It was the first video uploaded. And I thought, you know, um, it's straightforward. This is factual, truthful information I'm giving out here. Little did I know, me, the small nobody with his first video is going to upload to YouTube. After 48 hours, I, I put uploaded on a Sunday and uh, I came in from work on Tuesday evening and I got an email from YouTube basically saying, uh, sorry, Mind Wars, but um, your video has been uh, taken down due to our, uh, you've broken our community guidelines. So I was baffled because I generally, I knew censorship was on overload, but I thought, well, I'm, you know, the small guy. It only happens to the bigger guy. It's not going to happen to me. So I said, right, okay, um, I need to look into this a bit further. So with YouTube, the way it kind of operates, if that happens to you, you're allowed to actually respond to them. Now, I had a big response, but I realized when you're getting halfway down to the response, there's only so many letters you can actually use. And that's it. They cut you off. So they're very sneaky in what they're doing that way as well. You can't give a full documentation as to what you want to really actually say. So I narrowed it down. I replied in a sense and said, look, um, I have no idea what you're talking about. Anything I've said basically in my video is, is truthful, is factual. I said, so in my small response that I was allowed to give and articulate, um, I basically said, can you tell me any one second or any part or any one minute of the 13 and a half long minute video I've actually done, if there's anything in that that is untruthful and not factual, please let me know. I says, because I am baffled by it. All this is actual truth and facts. So about 24 hours later, uh, YouTube responded. And of course, I didn't expect much out of them, but uh, the response was um, basically similar again. It was like a copy and paste. It goes, sorry, Mind Wars, but after reviewing your request to re-upload your video again, we still find that uh, your video violates our terms and, or sorry, our community guidelines, terms and conditions, so on and so on. So they don't actually, it's even bad on YouTube's behalf because they don't give you an actual indication that while well, it was after three minutes and 12 seconds, you said something there that was pretty unlawful or we didn't like it to tone of your language. I mean, there was, there was no swearing in it. There was no racism. There was no any conspiracy theory type um, stuff lobbed into it. And, uh, and basically um, that was kind of it. So, you know, the first video I put up was struck down for 48 hours. Um, and I have a, a couple of notes here, even just to, to show the people that actually are, that are listening or watching that what actual stuff I was talking about. I mean, and after I give you some of this information, by all means, I, I suggest anyone to challenge me on it or um, to go further and um, go look at information yourself. First thing I would suggest is don't go near Google. Go to DuckDuckGo because Google is constantly burying stuff all the time. So whatever chance you have with DuckDuckGo, you will have a better chance of finding this information. But I was basically talking about um, Ted Ross was actually uh, being the director general that got appointed in 2007 to the World Health Organization. He is the only... Um, non-medical GP doctor, whatever we want to frame it, since the World Health Organization has started back, I think, in 1947-48. So that's one aspect. He has some sort of a, a community doctor certificate or something about, but not an actual medical GP certificate. He's the only one who never actually uh, accomplished that. But what people don't know about Ted Ross is that um, if you go back to, I think, the 1980s it is, and um, basically Ted Ross is, as well is from Ethiopia, and he was basically in a massive... Uh, murderous, fucking horrible organization over there. It's actually a terrorist organization. It's what is a communist murderous terrorist organization, what it is. And that's not, not just me saying that. That's um, actually, um, if you look on the, the government's, American government's website, they actually have it there on their watch list as well. That is, it's actually on their database as a registered terrorist organization. And Ted Ross Adnan was part of this organization back in Ethiopia. He was the Minister of Health over there. He's also the Minister for Foreign Affairs. So, 
his anybody that had a dissonant voice over there basically was silent, was shunned to one side by um, Ted Ross straight away. His human rights track record is how this guy is not put on trial to be um, put away for all time. I just do not know. He's covered up at least um, three cholera outbreaks that were over in uh, uh, Ethiopia at the time. Um, that organization he was involved with was called the TPLF. And um, the TPLF were, they were, I suppose, um, he wasn't just any member. From my, the research I've done, he was a high-ranking member in that organization. So from what I gathered, he was the third highest-ranking member. Now, that doesn't, I'm not just saying he went out and murdered anyone himself, but he's been involved with an organization that does murder and does lots of kidnapping and all the awful things that basically human rights um, advocates constantly went against him over the time. We have somebody like, um, like him involved with, with a track record like that that basically becomes on the board of uh, the director general of the World Health Organization that everybody around the world is following these guidelines by now at the moment. And it just, it seems insane because if even when he got elected in, or put up in basically by the United Nations in 2017, he was only in a few months. And one of the first people that he basically offered up as being a goodwill ambassador to the World Health Organization was none other than Robert Mugabe. Now I shouldn't even have to go into who Robert Mugabe is. Um, he's, he's dead now at the minute. He's no last to humanity. But the amount of thousands and thousands of people that he um, had murdered under his regime um, is just incredible. If you can go, go do the research on this. And this is the kind of a guy that Ted Ross is basically appointing as a goodwill ambassador to the World Health Organization. It's just, it's incredible. It's insane that this, uh, this guy is still telling people what's going on around the world. And you have the likes of, um, say, Nicola Sturgeon from, from Scotland in the last couple of days. She's, a, she's one of many. And they basically come out and said, like, you know, kids going back to schools and what's happening with masks and what regulations need to come in. And some people up there asking, like, well, why is this or where are you getting information from? It's not even coming from the government anymore in England. It's basically coming from, the, she goes, well, by the World Health Organization standards, this is the guidelines we are going by. So she's basically going by the standards that the Director General Ted Ross is naming out, which we know he's only a front pretty much for uh, anything that comes out of Ted Ross's mouth is basically Bill Gates talking, as Bill Gates is basically the number one investor of the uh, World Health Organization. So, and he's not doing that out of any goodwill at all, but just because he's a, a billionaire and he's lots of money to throw around, he's doing it for his own nefarious ways. There is no other two ways about that. And anybody doesn't realize that as seriously being in a coma for the last couple of months. Um, but there's a few other points I just want to get onto um, on that video and why it was taken down in the sense because there's stuff that's going on. I, I basically mentioned stuff like um, in 2010, the Gates gave 10 billion to the World Health Organization. And he said this is going to be the decade of vaccines. So he also went on to basically in 2014, the Ke Kenya's Catholic Doctors Association, they accused the World Health Organization of chemically sterilizing millions of unwilling, unwilling women um, over there and basically the who um after a while they played it down and played it down but after a while they actually came out with the woodwork and they actually admitted all this and they said they had been developing sterility vaccines for over a decade so i mean that in itself i mean god bless the amount of women over there like you know probably can never have kids ratting again and this is this has been accepted by the who which had backtracked they knew what was going on and for the, for a decade it was going on wasn't that in something new in 2014 that was one instance that i highlighted on it there was another one where basically in 2017 um the who reluctantly admitted that the global explosion in polio um, is predominantly vaccine strain now most people go around and think oh he's clearing up polio things are great to get this nice soft touch image everything's going on but actually if you go on a year later in 2018 they realized that the who realized that 70 percent of the global polio cases were vaccine strain 
So this is not me saying it. This is coming from their, the organizations, organizations themselves. And I've highlighted that in the video that basically got censored within 48 hours on YouTube. And I mean, there's loads of points I go on all day, but I'll just finish on one point on that itself. There was also another case study done in 2017. And if the guy's name is on it, on the video itself, and it showed that the WHO's popular DTP vaccine is killing more African children than the disease it prevents. And it says that the DTP vaccinated girls are 10 times more likely the death rate of children who did not receive the vaccine. And this DTP vaccine is still on show today. It has been never taken back out of existence by the WHO and millions and millions of people, kids worldwide, are still getting this vaccine. That is so, so deadly. It's just unbelievable the stuff that's going on. So but simply because I highlighted stuff like that, that was actually, you know, you can go and research and find this kind of stuff. It wasn't just my own opinion on this. And as I said, if, yeah, YouTube basically were quite happy to censor it and they couldn't give a reason, obviously, why they just said it. Just said it violated our community guidelines. They can't give a reason because it's truth and factual. They can't argue the case. I mean, as simple as that. And that's pretty much and it. Like, and, that. and if anybody does want to go check it out, um, it'll be on my BitChute channel and it's called The Twins of Evil. You can yeah, leave the description. I, I'll actually give the and, link yeah, in the yeah. podcast description of your, uh, yeah. your BitChute channel. But uh, like with, with the World Health Organization, what I found strange was uh, like... Uh, Donald Trump uh, basically said he was going to stop funding, which was something that I thought, okay, this is great. But then I saw the Irish government started increasing their money to the, I mean, that must have hurt you when you saw that as well. It, it did. It was very sickening to see that. Um, he basically, not only did our, uh, well, our ex-beloved leader now, Leo Vradker, um, he basically, he quadrupled it. So at a time, basically, when Trump had basically taken, you know, hundreds of millions that the, of American dollars that the, the, they were basically coming out with the American people's pocket yearly to hold up this corrupt uh, World Health Organization. And look, not everybody in the World Health Organization is corrupt. Definitely the people at the top are driving it. Some of the small little busy bees in the bottom, they're none, none the wiser. They have no idea this is even going on. But um, yeah, so Leo Radker basically said, no, I'll, Trump is after basically doing this. I'm going to basically quadruple it on behalf of the Irish citizen. So, like, we didn't even get a say what was going on there. And not only did he quadruple in that as well, he also said, I'm going to give, uh, for the first time ever, I'm going to give 18 million euros to Gavi, which is another organization that's completely propped up and funded by the, the Bill and Belinda Gates Foundation. I mean, you, some of the stuff you just, you couldn't make up where it's going. Um, I think from, from my knowledge in that, it's, um, it started over 20 years ago. And they basically, Bill Gates funded and founded it on a, three quarters of a billion is what he invested. Now, he just didn't walk away after investing three quarters of a billion. They're massive into vaccines and they're, they're around today more than ever. He is driving that as well. I mean, the amount of organizations that, that Bill Gates is involved in, his fingerprints are everywhere. The more I've, I've researched and researched, most people see Bill and Linda Gates Foundation and think, oh, grand, just one organization. That's kind of it, no more than that. But the, the amount of organizations, be the Global Fund, UNITED, um, Gavi, I mean, it goes on and on. He's involved in the World Bank. Um, you know, the economic forum. I mean, they're all basically in bed with each other is, is, is the way it goes on the more you go down the rabbit hole and that. Yeah. And the way I see it is even from his Microsoft days, you know, he was never a straight shooter. So anything he touches has, you know, just be wide, keep away from it, be careful. And he has his hands in a lot of pots, unfortunately. Of course he has. He's, he's I mean, if you just look back uh, recently in the last couple of weeks alone, these, um, you know, in a so-called crisis that we're supposed to be going through and all that. And, and uh, you know, England only a couple of weeks ago, they've revealed here that now they announced in the, the mainstream uh, tabloid rags over here that basically, um, you know, we're gone into a recession. 
well duh how how were you not thinking of it you brought this upon yourself i mean the likes of boris and all these people are only spectators to actually what's going on behind the scenes but wh- where is it going to end is is, is uh, the million dollar question that everybody's asking for but bill gates itself i mean you know look look at his dad his um his dad bill gates senior i mean bill gates senior was part of the the planned parenthood and he was one of the head board members of that which is the planned parenthood is just a a nice way, I suppose, a sugar coat in the name for eugenics is what it is. Um, and uh, as time went on, I mean, he brought, gave it down to his son, uh, Bill Gates, that we know of today. And uh, he's, based, he's carried on the, the eugenics format, or that, that ideology of it as well, I should say. And you can see it constantly, it's not just me saying it, he's constantly talking about depopulation. These words come out of his own mouth. I mean, one instance I showed in the video as well is actually at his TED Talks, I think it was 2015 or 2016, a couple of years ago. And he talks about depopulation and he says, you know, through good health care and through the good use of vaccines, of course, funded by himself, that we can reduce pretty much the world's population by a minimum of 10 to 15 percent. Now, that 10 to 15 percent, you could easily multiply that by four or five. That's kind of the softball part. He's not going to say, well, by 75 to 90 percent, maybe we could, we could reduce it because these people, like, I mean, the cheek of them basically saying, right, there's too many people in the world. Who are they to say there's too many people in the world? Like, who can live and who can die? Just because you have money, just because you're the second uh, richest person in the world next to Jeff Bezos is number one. And you can see what I was about to say a minute ago was likes Elon Musk, you know, psychopaths like Elon Musk and stuff as well. Um, that basically he's gone up to number four now in the rankings as the, as the world or fourth richest person in the world. So all these elites, all these absolute psychopaths that kind of give a good image on the front part and say, look, we are for humanity. We're helping out here. We're, we're giving hundreds of millions here. Don't we look good and we're good boys? But you actually dig deeper into the source itself. They are the opposite. It's a smoke screen for what's going on. So in a time basically where people have lost their jobs, depression, suicide has gone through the roof, um, families are struggling to keep things together. They don't even know if they're going back to work, if there will be a job there for them to get back. The list of stuff goes on and on. on bit pedophilia, everything has really gone through the roof. And you get that divide line out through history that basically the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And it's evident just in the last couple of months alone. I mean, Amazon, the Bezos, the Bill Gates, the Elon Musk, it goes, their, their money is going up and up and up through the rankings. They are making serious profit of all this, what I like say, a pandemic that's been going on for the past couple of months. And um, the people at the bottom, like myself and yourself, we're, we're get, that divide is getting more and more between us. So, yeah, there's just a few things that people should... Uh, open their ears to and eyes and basically see what's really going on. And these um, so-called philanthropists and these nice boys and characters that try to portray the image are far, far from it. Yeah, because um, they've all made a pledge to give like a lot of these kind of billionaires a pledge to 50%. But what people don't know is it's to their own charity that they do it. <laughs> of course, of course. I mean, a simple example was that was a couple of months ago there. And uh, they were basically getting all this money. Uh, the European Union, Ursula von der Leyen, the chief commissioner, she was basically saying that she says, well, I think it was in May sometime. I don't, there's on, there's another video I done. I and mean, basically they said that um, we need to raise 7.5 billion for therapeutics, vaccines, and basically healthcare in the area. So we can basically, you know, combat this massive coronavirus that's going around the world and killing so many people and all this kind of stuff. But um, if you look into that itself, like, I mean, they raised 7.4 billion in, in two and a half hours, that seminar that, that actually went on, it went on live. And, you know, within an extra couple of days, I think they were going up to about 9.8 billion. So God knows where they're going to now. But the point people are missing on that is what wasn't shown on that. And people can do a quick search engine on basically the European Union's website itself. You'll actually see that there was about nine organizations that were under that. And if you go into the organizations, you have what I mentioned a minute ago. You have the likes of Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You have the, the World Bank. You have um, uh, Unitas. You have, um, you have Gavi. 
So, I mean, you have all these organizations that you have the World Health Organization there, there. So you have all these organizations, but the, the common denominator within all these organizations, and when you, when you click into them, you don't have to search too far. Just, just click into each one. Who's the board member? Who's the donor? Who's the investor? And you will find that every one of them is Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, I showed people a few of that and they were just truly amazed. It's like a little dot connector to try and just basically awaken people and say, look, this is actually what's going on. And, and then, of course, uh, out of the goodness of uh, Melinda Gates, um, she spoke on it for a bare two or three minutes. And she said that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, we are happy to donate 100 million um, to this um, event. And I was kind of going, are you fucking serious? Like you've basically donated a hundred million dollars. You might as well just took it out of your pocket and give it, to put it in the back of your, your husband, uh, Bill Gates pocket, because that's how it is. You're basically putting the money back into, you're regurgitating around into your own um, funds and organizations you've set up an organization. You're directing them in a way that you want them directed. So it's, yeah. So there's, there's a few things. I, I mean, one is uh, uh, like agenda 21 and th- like, prior to the coronavirus breaking out the plan that was done in case something like would would happen that was in october like if that doesn't wake somebody up which obviously does to me i'm in shock that there's so many people still asleep they don't know what's going on well you might just tell people what that was about yeah well basically what you're describing there is um so last october what they had i think it was the 18th of october in new york they done um, what we call the Event 201. Now, Event 201 basically was a, a simulation of a novel coronavirus, of what actually might happen if we had such an outbreak across the world. And this is only in October 2019. So you had 15 people um, around this table. And basically, it was, there was a lot of work and preparation that went into it. And so basically, some of the members were, that were at that committee or that table alone, if you actually look in, to their past or into who they're involved with, you realize somebody's member cross over into each other's boards. Um, you know, you've, you've one guy called Christopher, I can't even be second name, but he's basically Bill Gates' right-hand man. And he's, he's one of the guys there basically speaking at this and doing an simulation as to what would go on. It was live streamed. You can, you can probably still find it online. People look, at, look up Event 201, you'll find a lot of information on it. And you can find the exact people around it and, and, and connect them to different situations. But they basically... The point I'm trying to say is the amount of work that went into that in October, that would have had to be operating from anywhere from possibly, my guess, six to 12 months beforehand to get all that work done because they had all the television work done. They had all the amount of literature, everything kind of laid out. And these guys were basically planning, what would we do if we have such a, a novel coronavirus outbreak? And they pretty much, in the video itself, they've actually, it's so, so close to actually what is actually going on. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a copy of it, basically, straight away. They basically go on about... Um, uh, around the table are talking about the censorship, how we need to get, you know, these big people from Silicon Valley on board. And basically we need to have them on our side. So basically they talk about flooding the zone a lot actually comes up that particular word. Is, and what they're talking about flooding the zone is they're actually talking about that they need to get their information up on the likes of Facebook or these big tech giants in Silicon Valley. They need to get their information straight to the front of the, of the information. As soon as you open your laptop or open your phone, this stuff is basically hitting you in the face straight away. The WHO, vaccines are good. All this kind of nonsense constantly all the time in your face. So you can't get the real story. You can't get, like there's two sides of the story. The others are always two sides of the story. And with this crowd, they want to, as they say, flood the zone, flood the zone. That's been used, I don't know, many times in the space of about three hours, all different members are using that. They were so concerned about that 
that they need based this um, one world narrative of this is the way it's going to be. This is the information we need to feed out to approximately 7.8 billion people and they shouldn't be allowed to see or hear anything else that's going on. So that's pretty dangerous in itself because there is, it's a propaganda machine, the propaganda great tool they're using. That's how this, this operation has been carried out at the moment. It's through the, it's through the fear. And, um, and information that people are basically being received and picking up. And through that, then the male and female is making their direction of, will I step outside the door? Will I put on a mask? What will I do? You know, and they're, they're like their bodies are paralyzed in fear and their mindset is so, so distorted that it's simply the average person cannot bring logic to the, to the forefront of their mind. But that event 201, it, um, it basically carried out. It showed everything that is going on today. Um, outside of the censorship that I just mentioned, they basically that goes, oh, travel conditions will be seriously um, disrupted. Hotels will be in decline. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And everything that was happening then um, is basically happened, you know, a few months later, it all uncovered. So I'd advise people to go check Event 201 out and, you know, have your own opinion from yourself. You'd be quite shocked for uh, some of the people who haven't come across that yet. But uh, that happened in October. But if we go back a month before that, if we go back to September, um, you have what we call the GPMB. Now, the GPMB is short for the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board. Okay, and why they're important? Because they're acting independently um, as a company. But what they are actually is, if you look further into them, they're actually a front. They're actually owned by the World Health Organization and the World Bank, strangely enough. So they actually own the GPMB, and but they're leaving the GPMB as a front from and they're kind of stepping back out of the limelight. So it just looks like they're disconnected from. So the GPMB basically does um, reports globally, um, yearly, do, do these reports. And as to what's going on, if we had an emergency outbreak and what will we do and what's the plan and what's the procedure. And it's quite interesting that the one in September they'd done was, if you actually look at the, the front cover itself, was there was actually a coronavirus's um, going around in the front cover. And there was also lots of people going around with their uh, face masks on them. So that was interesting, the actual cover itself. And inside in the literature itself, there's quite a bit in it. But if you go down to different parts of it, they had what they wanted to have carried out by September 2020, which we're in now. And one of the simulations that they do that's connected to the United Nations is basically um, they wanted to carry out um, what would happen if we um, designedly or purposely um, carried out a lethal respiratory pathogen. That was one of their actual, if you look down to their, their sub, subheadings and some of the stuff too, that was one of the aspects that they wanted to have achieved by 2020, September 2020. So it's interesting that they were coming up with all this kind of stuff. And then the front cover was got to do with people wearing masks, coronaviruses on the front of it. A month later, then in October, they basically carry out this, you know, three hour, three and a half hour simulation of a novel coronavirus. And everything that's in that three and a half, three, three and a half hours is basically what we're witnessing today and over the, the past couple of months. So, and then see so that in September, you've based what happened with Event 201 in October. And then, um, oh, I, mean, I forgot to say what the Event 201 was, um, who were the sponsors of that? It was done on behalf of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It was also done on behalf of the... Uh, the World Economic Forum and um, the I think it was the World Bank or, or the WHO. So I mean, you've, these organisations are propping up this again, and um, and then all of a sudden, then after you left October into November, pretty much the the pandemic and that basis novel coronavirus and stuff they were they were talking around the place. It actually unfolded for itself. So you know, people can read what they want into it, but I think as time goes on, that um, the, the evidence stacks up, and it's not a conspiracy theory. The, these people are showing you, they're, they're getting so brazen these days that they're not trying to hide it anymore. They're actually 
testing humanity like i think to see how dumb the nation is out there and how much we can actually get away it must shock you as it does me because i mean that in itself would wake you up but this week there was more information that was revealed from 2018 and i know you're aware about it as well because we were in talks about it you might let people know what was disclosed this week yeah so what got disclosed um this week very recently was um what I came across was uh, if you go to, I think, I think it's WIT dot um, the World Bank, or else if you go into DuckDuckGo and you type in uh, the World Bank and um, COVID-19 testing kits, um, what happened was, I think, I believe it was 2017 even, is what, I, what the reading I'm getting from it, that basically they had, in average, the guts of about 200 countries had complied with this procedure. And basically they've, they've, they've so, so many COVID-19 testing kits was actually other countries complied with and basically import and export all these to each other's countries back in 2017. So we're going back the guts of three years ago. How, why was COVID-19 tests um, should be even imported or exported um, throughout, uh, throughout the world? I mean, the European Union, the United States, China. I mean, the list is there yourself. You, you, people can go check it out um, online. All of Europe. I, I, all of Europe was, was a massive one in this court. Ireland or our own countries involved. England was involved. I mean, m- many people don't actually know that this is going on. I mean, people can read what they want into, but you have to ask the massive question, like a massive question, why was this um, back in 2017? And how, like, the, it wasn't if like leaders of individual countries just slipped in the door and they didn't know about it. They knew this was going on. So why then are they acting all innocent now and they're the kind of good boys and this is all, oh, just a bit of an outbreak happened and we're none the wiser and we don't know what to do and all this kind of stuff. If this is the case, I mean, we'll have to look into it further, but it, it begs the question, like, what, what is really going on? If you look back, actually, 2017 is a, is a year also that um, I like to call him Anthony the Fraud Fauci um, is basically there and he's basically at the Georgetown University saying that... Um, um, that he is not surprised and there will most definitely be a surprise outbreak, he says, um, in this basically, basically in Trump's four-year reign. He says, there will be a surprise outbreak, he says, and I'm 100%, he's, he's no doubt in his mind is why he actually quotes and says that um, there will be a surprise outbreak coming um, in the years ahead. Now, that was 2017 and he speech at the Georgetown University over in America. So how did he come out in front of a lot, a lot of people? How did he have the boldness to kind of come out with a statement like that he was very very sure very very certain of himself why what do these people know that we Same don't know gates I mean, gates said that in his tedx speech as well that there's yeah. going to be a pandemic coming out so he, he said it even more recently in some show he was on basically and he gates himself likes to he's always smirking when he's talking about these things he loves it um it's like he says um i'm this is pandemic one, he says, you know, this is whatever, it's just pandemic one, but I can't wait until we get to pandemic two, he says, and people are really going to listen then. I mean, this is not me or you. He smiles when he does the sickness. Like he is smiling as he's doing it. And there's another thing as well that, like, you can see it was orchestrated because if you look at who got ill, the Canadian Prime Minister, uh, Prince Charles, Barrister, I don't know who else, but it's like, oh, of all the people, these people who people would see on the news and would be getting scared, it was just scared tactics to make people comply and put on their masks. Of course, it's just, it's just another fear tactic. I mean, the, these people have all tried before throughout history. Um, people just have to look back in their own history and kind of say, um, you know, they, they tried famines, uh, they tried wars, they tried all sorts of things throughout um, history. But 
none of them exactly worked that well or they only worked for a while then it, it kind of teal off a small bit but with this situation you know the bigger the light is fabricated you can it can be basically anything and it can continue forever um so and that's what they're controlling this there's no military at our door well maybe in victoria at the minute unfortunately but there's no military at our door coming around in ireland england or places like that at the minute it's all propagated through fear and that's the, the illusion that people have is that you know there's roughly 7.8 billion of us in the world there's only a tiny tiny handful of these dictators that are basically telling us what we can what we can't do what square to step on you can only go out at a certain time and um, it just the stuff is never endless and it's a psychological mind game that they're playing all the time and people can't see this people are under this illusion that like well yeah it's a bit tough isn't it maybe we just give the government next a couple of weeks you know i mean it started with um well maybe we'll just flatten the curve and maybe we'll just get locked down for three or four weeks okay well everything since if anybody looks back it's been ramped up and ramped up and ramped up there is no actual end to it and as i like to say to people it's like this will not actually end this whole scam will actually not end at all until basically people stop being in fear of themselves like you people should realize the power that they have in themselves and these people be it uh be the gary shikani in ireland as we'd say or be it the police in england or wherever you are worldwide these people only have power because the, the nation quite um easily offers up their power and status to them and they give it and they turn it back to us in fear and every one of these things back through back through history as well as people say well i'm willing to give up, give up a bit of my freedom if just in a few weeks time everything can go back to normal again but they've done that throughout history where you'll get you'll they'll let out in increments they'll give you a bit of freedom then they'll really back in again and all of a sudden it's like well we need to do, do take this freedom off you need to take that freedom off you it's only temporary though it's just for an emergency plan uh, law coming in the moment it's not going to be permanent but um as we know from 9 11 and stuff that went on there with the laws and implementation that came after that it never got reversed so these things is only a power grab of these people over time and um you know the people have to really wake up at this stage i mean i'm trying you're doing a great job trying to wake people up as well i'm trying to do the same myself but sometimes you come to the realization with certain people they just cannot be woken up um and this information that's coming towards them is just like an overload straight away so what i find with certain people is you know you have so much information times you want to just like vomit it all out basically in front of them and some of these people are just completely new to this kind of stuff like they haven't been adjusted over a number of years to this they're kind of going what the hell is this stuff like they're just going no that's that's a bit too far out um some people i know they don't even want to listen to they block their ears because they're in fear of what you actually might tell them you know, the truth might actually come out but i'm saying you know ignorance is a choice unfortunately at times um for these people and you're going to have to live through this because if you don't stand up now uh, for your generation or for your kids, like what are you going to look back in time in 10 or 20 years time when your daughter or your, your son has grown up, what are you going to say? They look to you and go, Hey daddy, what did you do 20 years ago when this, when this scam went on? Well, I, I complained to my mate over the phone and um, I kind of sat in the couch looking at kind of stuff going on, hoping that only another week would pass by and all of a sudden everything would go back to normality again. I mean, you know, if to think of the kids, the next generation is coming through that if we think we have it tough now by, um, by basically not being able to say no, but not actually combat the system, like think of what the, the future generation has to come that's ahead of us. It's just, it's going to be insane. The, the aftermath is going to be left for them. And that's all it is. It's, it's just a massive power grab. It's all about, they want to introduce the mandatory vaccines. They want to, I've been talking about cash to society for years to people like that. And people just said to me, like, sure, what does it matter sure, if we use our cash or if we use our card? I will never use my card for any purpose. Like for, it'll always be first source, will always be cash. Cash is king and it should stay king. 
And people are saying, but sure, nobody, sure, they're hardly going to be watching you. And I said, that's not the point. You need to get into good principles of what it is because I see what's down the road in years to come. And people always say to me, oh, but it's convenient, Chris. Like, you know, I don't have to be getting out change, just stopping at bank machines and parking up the car and doing all this kind of stuff. I can just click my card on the thing and away I go or click my phone as it is these days. So I says, I says this, I said back in 2014, I said, I says, trust me, I says, you will pay for that convenience in time. And people now, the odd person is kind of coming to me and are kind of going, geez, actually that stuff you were saying a couple of years back, I, said, I didn't actually know what you're on about at the time. And I just kept using my car. But now I actually see what's, because now it's more evident than ever in the last couple of months alone. You know, these shops are basically have stickers outside the shop and basically saying, sorry, car payment only. I mean, some of these governments are not even enforcing this on them, but they're actually enforcing it on themselves. And if they're only, you know, if, if you don't see the forest and the trees, they're basically sitting off, sitting on their own branch that has been cut off. So the point is like they don't see the end game as what it's about and when how dangerous a cashless society is i'm trying to get through to people is when you have cash you have it in a physical format okay you can provide for family you can do what you want to do with it okay and you can see something solid and tangible but when you actually have if it was to go um down the route of um a cashless society what you've got then on the banking system is based you could be on 100 grand a year doesn't matter what your wages are because they have control. They who control the money control, control the direction of your life that's going to go in. And your money then is just basically digits on some screen on some bank or wherever it is. There's actually nothing behind that at all. So if they decide in the morning, Chris, well, you know, we can withhold your money. We can basically, the, the system all of a sudden crash. They can come up with 101 different excuses. And you're kind of sitting there kind of going, shit, I'm working, you know, year after year. But like my money's completely tied up in this, you know, digital system and i've no access to it and they're in total control of what way your life is i mean you see a similar example in in australia not too long back where they're they're not introducing mandatory vaccines but all of a sudden it's kind of you kind of give it to do in a sly way it's what they're trying to do is saying well we're going to take at least 29 to 30 dollars your payment every two weeks um so you know it's not mandatory but if you want to keep going week after week after week, all of a sudden, two or three months passes by, your wages are pretty much down to zero. You'll have nothing. So then it's kind of like you won't be able to feed your family. So it's a, it's a dirty trick they're actually using for you to actually go in and say, well, look, I'll, I'll, to, it's to break you down, break the human psyche down and say, right, we'll actually, oh, I'll just get this, this vaccine. So like, and <laughs> the last thing you want to be getting is those vaccines, not on my deathbed, would I be getting any of those vaccines or flu vaccines or anything before this coronavirus came around anyway. Um, I just would not be going near them. So, Cashless society is um it's and like Cyprus a, as well because you know some people don't realize what happened there but some people like I, I know people like they had a million some people have three million and they just took the money that's supposed to be in the EU and they just mm. took their money they did not get their money back so like that can happen here as well so yeah at, at least if you have your cash you have your cash but when they decide to turn off the tap and just decide oh we'll take that. There is no, it's like exactly. your situation with uh, YouTube when you're dealing with the government, you get the same thing. You won't get any response. And it's like, yeah, that's your own problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you feeding not- your family or putting a roof over your head is not of interest to them. Exactly. They're not concerned about this. And it, for some people, it'll almost be too late. And it's one of these scenarios where I don't want to go in a year or two years time or who knows. Um, I don't want to go, well, look, I told you so. Uh, I really, really don't want that scenario to come around. I want to be totally 100% wrong in this scenario. But everything I've been talking over the last number of years is bit by bit, bit by bit. And people just have to go, look, even stats alone, cash is getting less and less uh, in existence. And, and the cards and phones are becoming more um, more in use, unfortunately, for people. I mean, you know, another factor is they want this, this economy to crash. And I was talking to a friend of mine, actually, um, who owns his own business in Ireland. And 
I was saying to him, you know, he's he was struggling in the sense he was close for a couple of months and still has staff and these overheads and stuff to play uh, play around it as well. And uh, I was telling him basically, you know, based this this economy is what they're after is basically to actually crash. Now he couldn't get his head around that. And I know the average person can't seem to get their head around that as well, because first of all, they're thinking, well, why would they want to crash the economy? Because then, you know, I'm a small business, but I'm still paying my taxes. Everything's about board. I pay my insurance, I pay bills. I'm contrib- contributing back into society as a, you know, and it's a tax format for the government to pick up on as well. So, I mean, if they take me out of existence or crash it, how am I, I'm not going to be able to contribute back into society again. Well, I says, Going out through history, says even in world wars and all sorts of stuff that went into the past, there's massive money makers to be made off this. And unfortunately, it's not for me and you, the small guy in the ground. It's I said a simple example is that um if you have a if you own a house in the morning and um you're you've a 25 or 30 year mortgage and you're you're a couple for argument's sake, and um you go into the bank and you get five hundred thousand um, pounds of a mortgage, so that five hundred thousand is basically didn't hand you out half a they give you. No, 500,000 basically wasn't given to you in cash. They're giving you basically into your solicitor or whoever went into it for the mortgage and the house and so on. But you, that money was never there to exist in the first place. It was just, they just, they basically typed onto a screen. It was nothing there to back it. There was no gold. There was nothing fancy right in the background. So what they were hoping, because we have recessions every maybe 10, 15, 20 years around the place. And what happens is then it's a land grab over time. So basically you have, you have your house there, which, which your, your wife said. And uh, you're stuck on a 25 or 30 year mortgage. You're into your, you're into your mortgage about two or three years. And all of a sudden, then it's like the big crash comes on, um, you know, making it look like it wasn't done on purpose. And the crash comes on, the banking system complain, they're running out of money and all these things are happening. Terrible things are happening to the economy and people are throwing back the keys of their house and they're running to England and running all sorts of places like that. But what happens then, they'll notice at the time the people even go back to the crash in Ireland and well, worldwide back in 2008, 2009. Um, people went got suicidal over because the, the, the bankers, they call them the white-collar criminals, they were constantly threatening letters to the house. Well, you still need to pay this. You need, still need to go up your, your monthly payments. We, we know what's going on, but we need our, our piece of the pie still every year. You agree to a 25 or 30-year contract with us. So what happens in over time, people get sick of it. And the thousands maybe they invest in their house and building off the ground and spending years to actually create that home for, their, for themselves and their family. The basic, the, over time, the bank will just come in and go, thanks, I'll have your bricks and mortar. So now all of a sudden they've got a big tangible asset and they've done that all over the countries uh, worldwide. You know, top billions and trillions worldwide, the amount of property they've got over time and the big guys are giving all the money. They're going to buy up all the land, take all the houses off the people. They don't care if you're misery or you're, you're going to commit suicide over your situation or what way your family is or your, your kids are in distress over it. They'll just quite happily come in and take it and, and it's that's ours and that's how the, the gap again, once again, gets bigger between the, the rich and the rich and the, the poor and the poorest is that divide gap always gets that bit further again. I'd, uh, I'd advise people to go into the courts if you don't believe what Chris just said because I witnessed, witnessed it in Ireland and everybody, it was the banks were winning, the banks were winning. There was a woman going up to the judge crying, saying my husband has just died from cancer. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about that. Bang. Rule in favor of the bank plus interest plus yeah. payments. And even when they are giving the keys back, they're coming after them for the excess. They're selling them to vulture funds for 10 and 20% of the amount. So the rental market goes way up as well. It's a whole sick system. And, you know, people need to kind of wake up to reality because it's not as if 100 and 200 people, there's millions and millions of people are being caught by this. And unfortunately, like you said, some people are taking their lives because of the depression, which was caused by the banks. Yes, no, definitely. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that as well. It says you've you've quite a a personal background, even yourself in it. The amount of cases, different situations. Um, you've you've been through yourself over that. So I mean, yeah, you you know firsthand what is actually 
what I'm actually saying is, you know, you can put it into reality yourself. So people just really read to uh, read behind the lines or through the lines a small bit and kind of realize, you know, these crashes that do happen, like they're in favor. There are reasons that they're in favor of not me and you on the ground, but they're in favor of these elites at the top of it. So, and that's just it's look out through history. orchestrated just, like everything else that we've said. Everything so, else is all orchestrated. Yeah. So like, let's try to look about more the positive side. Of it. I was shocked recently uh, on Wednesday because uh, I'd done a speech and nobody knew of the protests in Berlin. I know you were there, you were present yourself in London. You may tell us what's going on so that, you know, the listeners that don't know about, because they're not going to see them on CNN and BBC and RT. You may tell us what's actually happening around the world. Well, yeah, so... So thankfully, there's, um, there are some people that are actually waking up. Um, I said one good thing, if you look at a positive thing that actually has come out with this so-called pandemic that has swiped across the world, is that uh, people basically are, are more aware now. They're more waking up. I mean, I've personally, people that, that I've been talking to for 10, 15 years, and I've been telling them about stuff I've been into, and they're just like, oh, don't tell me that stuff. I don't like what you're saying. It's this and it's that. I don't want to know the truth pretty much. Now, when these people, these same people, um, had, you know, two to three, four, five months off work. They were sitting at home every day, twiddling their thumbs and kind of going, well, what will I do now? And the mainstream, of course, every day, turn on the radio, turn on the TV, turn on the bloody, f- get your paper in your local shop. It was just rattled and riddled with all this like um, WHO and all this stuff and coronavirus and cases and deaths. But I, they were asking me, like, they didn't have found the phone was ringing a bit more than it usually was with the people that uh, in my circle that basically were kind of, I don't know, non-believers for, for want of a better word, or they were always too busy in their own lives to never really go down that rabbit hole. And they were just basically asking me, is this real? Is this actually happening, Chris? And what's going on here? What's, and I, I basically give them the direction and tell them, look, turn off that nonsense. I'll show you what's really going on and where the orchestration has come from, what's actually behind all this, that the, the RTEs and the CNNs and you know, the BBCs are not there to show you. They're bought up propaganda machines um, for the government to basically spew their nonsense out. And so I gave them this information in loads of different areas and they came back and they were like fascinated by the whole thing. So the idea behind that was now they're more involved with it. So they're kind of going, geez, I didn't actually realize like this stuff you're telling me years ago, this is actually how the world actually, you know, it's actually working. So that's what I say to people as well. It's like, you know, don't believe everything I have to say. It's basically the one thing I say to people is go, go question everything, be curious and make sure your mind is open to actually what's going on. If you have a closed mind, you might as well bury your head in the sand. You're not going to get any further down the, down the track as to what, you know, humanity really is in store for us. But on the positive side of things, um, those people that I, and that's just in a, one small circle of friends I have who are, who are um, unaware of this um, surroundings coming up. So it has woke the masses up, people who are never aware of what's actually really going on in, in the world. So getting back to the protests, um, well, Berlin had a, a protest a couple of weeks back and they got in the region of about 1.3 million people to turn out, which is phenomenal um, in Berlin alone. So that, that was fantastic. And what they were turning out for basically was, um, you know, against mandatory vaccines. People need to have sovereignty over their own body to decide if they do or they don't want it. If people want to get vaccines, fine, let them get vaccines, but do not have it mandatory that you're forcing it on the whole nation. Or if you don't get it, well, then we're going to take money out of your wages or we're going to this, this and this, or you can't fly to a certain country because now this is going to become a regulation because that's what they're leading to next with COVID passes and all this kind of stuff. But um, so Berlin, there was, a, there was a couple around the world as well. And there was also basically um, last Saturday, there was one in Berlin, the second one. 
and that's in the region of up to 5 million, they're saying. It could be anywhere in the region of 3 to 5 million, it turned out, which is phenomenal in, in Berlin. So they're, they're leading the charge, um, Berlin at the moment, or Germany as a whole, as the massive, the amount of numbers worldwide. Um, England, I was at the one in London myself uh, last Saturday. We had in the region of 35 plus thousand people um, turned out. The numbers needs to be far bigger than what it is, but it's great that basically people turned up in Trafalgar Square in central London for it, and we went down to around number 10 Downing Street as well. With some great speakers in the day, like David Icke, Dolores Cahill, um, there was Mark Steele there talking about 5G. Um, there was actually, you know, doctors, nurses, there was all these people actually from a professional background um, being able to talk about what is actually going on and how dangerous masks are for you. You should not, these vaccines are not actually for you, the stuff, the toxins, the stuff that's been put inside them. And basically about our general freedoms as a whole, that this whole lockdown situation, it needs to stop, it needs to stop like now. So people are getting together. Is, is the... Is the protest the solution to everything? No, it's not the solution to everything. But it's just a turn in the right direction that people are, the more people that are waking up, they had one in Ireland uh, only a few weeks ago as well. Um, did a great crowd that turned out in Dublin for that. It was fantastically organised. They've done a fantastic job of that as well, of awakening people. So even those people that weren't at those organisations or at those protests, there are places that, that they'll be able to see it afterwards, not on the, on the mainstream, but people can give them links, people can give them other, how, where to look at it. I mean, for example, there was one guy I looked at, uh, on the Irish one that was in Ireland. And basically he was a YouTuber and within, within a day to two days, he had 80,000 views. Um, that was basically on his, uh, on his YouTube channel of looking at that, of that March alone that was in Ireland. And there was somewhere in the region, it's hard to know. It could have been up to maybe eight to 10,000. It's hard to put a figure on if that's what it looked like. So all of a sudden, maybe it was, there was give or take 10,000 people this March, but 80,000 people have witnessed that, that we're never actually probably there on the day itself. So it's a good positive, uh, in a positive direction. There's going to be more upcoming protests coming up. Um, there's going to be one in, in London coming up again in another couple of weeks' time. And But what the police done that day actually in, in London was quite sneaky because the, the Friday beforehand, so 24 hours previous to the actual event uh, kicking off, they, they came out here, put into legislation or into law that basically you'll get a £10,000 fine if you basically gather with more, if you organize something that's basically a gathering of more than 30 people. And obviously there was, you know, there was tens of thousands what actually turned out on the Saturday. But the, the point behind that is what goes back to what I said earlier in the conversation is that these people actually have no power. So when it turned up in the day, thousands of us turned up in the day. Yes, there was loads of police in the area. There was loads of police vans all around the area, but they stood there silently folded our arms and we just all walked past them there was not one simple thing they could have done without that because you know they, they are the few and we are the many and people need to realize and wake up to that scenario as well but what they did a dirty dig afterwards was and a lot of people didn't realize this until the following day because one of the main organizers of it was actually Piers Corbin and when it stopped about half three and then every, there was thousands of had to walk down through Parliament Square and, and uh, number 10 Downing Street Whitehall that direction but we're all walking away as a crowd got smaller and smaller and smaller Piers Corbin and a few of them were still hanging around the stage. And I didn't even know until the next day that he'd actually been picked up. The police, and you can just pictures of him there online as well. The police, this guy is 73 years of age. And he basically, he got picked up by the, by the police. He wasn't handcuffed, but they linked him and said, right, and all the police had the masks on, the usual nonsense. And then they basically were bringing him. And basically he got a £10,000 fine because he was the organiser of that. I mean, you know, he's due up in court, um, I think, I believe it's in October sometime. And um, I haven't been talking to him yet about it or, or what's, um, what's the story, but what way is it going to follow on? But he got landed away a £10,000 fine 
um, out of that. So the police were clever in a sense that they waited till all the crowd kind of dispersed and went away and there was a very small gathering left and then they fucking just got their opportunity and nabbed him. But they knew beforehand if they were to get him at the very start of the day and the 35,000 were just around that circle, there would have been massive riots in the area. So um, it's, you know, it's sad and that's, that's going on, but it's not from the average police person in the street. It's, you know, it's coming from their authority overhead that's basically directing them what to do and what not to do. So some of the police themselves, I know people have been talking from and they just said, look, we know this is bullshit, but what can we do? Like it's, you know, that's, that's their kind of opinion to it. Um, it was nice to see in parts of Berlin, I've seen some of the coverage where some of it was rough coverage. The police were attacking some of the people in Berlin and then there was other snippets basically where, and some of the elderly were getting attacked and battened into it. It's terrible what was actually going on there. But then the other side of it i seen was um, a lot of the actual police, they took off the big riot gear, they took off the head guards that they had on them and they stood there with the people in solidarity and the amount of love and praise they got for that. You know, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. But of course, to, to round up on that situation, even in London, it's not just London, it's Berlin all over the world as well, is what, of course, did the usual papers do that night and the following morning? Straight away, you're all labelled, you know, far-right organisations, conspiracy theories, anti-vaxxers, 5G, anti-this. It just goes on and on and on, you know. And they said, of course, there was less than 10,000 in the one in England. There was not. You can go at least three and a half times that again. So they, these garbage newspapers, like it was the Guardian, these other papers are coming out with this kind of this headlines. Like when they know in this day and age, people have cameras, people are there, they can see there was a lot more than 10,000. I mean, there was grannies, there was uncles, there was children, kids, families having a lovely day out. Nobody caused any argument. There was no violence. Nothing was thrown around the place. It was just full of love going right throughout the crowd. And people wanted their, their sovereignty and their freedoms back again. And not under this dictatorship, this space, this fascism that's sweeping across the West um, pretty quick, uh, faster than we actually think at the moment. I just really hope that I'm, I'm feeling positive is, is the thing. So I'm not I'm looking at the last half empty. I'm really positive. And a lot of people I'm connected with as well they're remaining positive that this, you know, we will overcome this, that people will, when it comes to need to rise up. But unfortunately, I think we just need to get through a bit harder, more times first for more people to realize and kind of go, hey, look, enough is enough. It's almost like certain people in this world really need their backs to the wall before they kind of go, I'm not taking this anymore. I've been pushed to the limit. I get, I give a couple of months inside my house. I give this away. I give my freedoms away. But this is ending now. I'm not, I'm no more am I putting up with this nonsense. And um, that's that's the positive thing to look uh, to look forward to is basically is like like myself and yourself connecting again and and basically reaching out to more people. There's a lot of the idea behind the, why we started our podcast as well is to reach out to the masses and make that connection through through love and good vibration across the world as well. That like, you know we're 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 all one good human and we just want the best for humanity, but not this fucking global fascist dictatorship that's going on at the moment. Nobody wants that, and not now or not ever. Yeah. And- one thing that I would like to see, because I know that you have some of the, like the speakers at this protest, just like myself, we both tend to, we're lucky with the people that we're getting on our, uh, on our podcast. But one thing, and you might say it to them as well, that I would love to see is when they're on stage, that they get all the people in the audience to pick up their phone, go on live and go, we're awake, are you? And just go around and pan the camera because how many millions of people would then see it? Because, and even ask them, they should organize the next meeting because like, I, I, I think the only way to plan a meeting is always at a meeting for the next one and say, bring three of your friends. Because if there was, say, 35,000, then you've, then you've 100,000 in the, in the UK and next time 300, then you have a million. And I mean, if Berlin went from 1.3 to 5 million, that's incredible. So, it, but sometimes you have to give people instructions on what to do. I mean, they're there out of the goodness of their heart. And also I think you need to be 
talking, not not getting people aggressive with the police because. I mean, a lot of the time, they, they, you know, they, they have their mortgages to pay, you know, they have their family and they're probably threatened just like the doctors and the nurses because we know that's happened, that if they don't comply, they're out of a job and they probably get, you know, even arrested themselves, that they should start forming their own groups because obviously if they know that it's wrong, if enough of them get together and a couple of thousand of them, take off their hats the ones that are afraid to do it might just actually get motivated to do the same yeah no no very true um i've heard from other people as well that they've been a uh, one example is they've been on trains um and basically you know you have to wear the mask and all that i mean i, I will never wear the mask or comply to any of that nonsense um and basically what they've done is one person was on the train and he did not wear a mask and there was four people across from at the table. And, you know, behind them then there was other people wearing masks as well. Everybody was being a good boy and complying to the authorities. And yes, sir, no, sir, yeah. And basically our freedoms are, you know, you can have them, no problem at all. But basically what happened was he got a lot of looks after about 20 to 30 minutes um, as, a, as the train was going through, through his journey. He thought by the looks he was getting by, by the people that basically had the masks on, he thought, right, any second now this guy is probably going to say something or complain or why haven't you a mask on or what are you doing? But what he did to his surprise, basically, was he actually took off his mask. Now, while he was taking it off his mask slowly, he was kind of looking over his shoulder, that fear striking through him again, of course. And basically, he took it off. He goes, well, if this guy can maybe do it, maybe I can do it. So your guy was showing a good leadership role. He took it off. And the other three people at that table that took it off as well. So and you can see the smiles in their face. People are loving it. They can see the reaction. You know, it's normal. Like, So what I'm saying is if one follows basically it can be like a domino effect more people can see okay well if he's doing it and uh, not really having him that's that's okay because it's all controlled through the power of fear nothing else and and, and that's how this whole thing has been orchestrated um for these past couple of months is simply down down through fear and if people can let go of that fear and just simply say the power of no no i'm not complying that's it simple as that and just carry on with their lives as best they can because these people in Silicon, uh, Silicon Valley and these at least the 1% as we call it from the New World Order and that, like, they, they know there's too many people in the world to basically to try and get as much. So it's, that's why a lot of the population comes into all this stuff as well because they want less and less. It's easier to control at masses when you have less and less in the world. But what they're after is the more they can sense you and the more they can basically make you go away, the more then you cannot fight for your freedom, the more you're unaware of information. That, it goes back to what I talked about flooding the zone as well. Um, so I suppose to kind of say about that is that um, when people are in fear uh, night and day and they don't understand what's going on, um, all I can simply say is to people is like, just, just uh, you know, turn off the TV, turn off the networks, turn off the usual papers and all the rest of that. But just look outside the box and you'll be amazed as to what you'll find. And don't, if somebody has a different side to the different story, to the mainstream narrative, just say, hold on a second. I'll actually, I'll take that on board for five, 10, 15 minutes. I'll actually see what you're saying. And don't just diss it off to one side. Basically, look, I'll actually research that myself and seeing if everything you add up basically does add up. And then I think they will be very surprised what it is because these people, this 1% mob at the top that are controlling and orchestrating the whole thing from, from behind the curtain, they, the more people, that's what their fear of us is basically people uniting together. That's the one fear they have because they're little schoolboys after that is because the more people unite, that's why it does a lot of these groups are orchestrated that people can't kind of see, I suppose, like the likes of Black Lives Matter and the likes of, 
LGBT groups and likes of, uh, you know, you're Jewish, I'm black, he's white and uh, he's Asian, he's Islamist and all these organizations, they're, they're basically becoming more and more as years go on, more subgenres and more categories of people. And the more that's happened, basically, is you're dividing, dividing, dividing. And the old rule goes back to divide and conquer. So if some of these people would only look up in, uh, over their head and kind of realize there's actually somebody over my head pulling the strings here, that we should actually just strip of what these organizations, groups are, and we all connect. It's basically just to divide us and people can't see that we need to connect as humans and basically forget what your labels and categories are over your head forget about the labels throw them off you and basically i'm a human going through this existence and it's a great existence and we need to unite together and the more we unite that all of a sudden you realize the power is slipping more and more away from these these people who are orchestrating all this stuff in the background and it's the one thing they're in fear of that's why because the more the fines are getting ramped up and there are all these other situations are getting more ramped up with lockdowns coming in in, in over in uh, victoria in um, australia because it's a fear factor. It's like basically they can see more people are awake. And so now we need to up the ante a small bit, have a greater fear. And basically if people see that, that might kind of throw them off as to what's actually, you know, going on. It's just like what's happening in Melbourne at the moment is because they're in their sort of autumn winter time over there. That's what's going to try and sweep across the West when we get into our winter time over here. So people definitely need to take note as to what's going on in Victoria at the moment over there, because it's not just going to happen there. If the people don't stand up and, and stamp it out pretty quick, it's going to come right across to the West. They're giving you evidence as to what's going to happen. And people, unfortunately, are not really taking that on board. But like I will go back to some people just need their backs to be really against the wall before they, that penny drops and kind of go, right, yeah, it's time to rise up now. Exactly. Well, I think that uh, today we've given people enough for food for thought. Uh, if you weren't awake, maybe you're curious and start investigating. Go to DuckDuckGo and other channels. Keep away from Google. But it, this should shake you a little bit and uh, get you towards the red pill, as you said. You know. So how, <laughs> how, how can people get in contact with you, Chris? Um, well, I'll actually give you the links later in my description below because what i'm doing is i'm actually in the middle of actually um changing my domain so it's actually because it's a bit long at the moment and i can actually shorten it into an actual easier website so peace will actually recall it off the top of what it is so i'll leave that link once that gets sorted hopefully in the next uh, 24 hours um and people can just go to the description below Perfect. Yeah. And I'll also put up your bit shoot so they can look at the videos that we discussed earlier. And I mean, I've looked at all of them and I, 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 I'd highly recommend people to look. Listen, Chris, it's been fantastic. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Ray. So that's all for the Awakening Podcast. You can find all the episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. You can find our episodes on YouTube. Well, for how long? We don't know. And bit shoot. <laughs> so be sure to share with your friends and give us a thumbs up. Until next week. Take care. There's a t-